unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. And now, welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies, gentlemen, boys, and girls? Welcome to Tuesday Night Raw and Unscripted Show, where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. We appreciate you guys being here every single Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Standard Time. We are here on the Raw and Unscripted Show, live on the video cast, coming to you through Facebook, through YouTube, through LinkedIn, and all sorts of different groups and pages in between. We appreciate you guys being here, whether you're live or on the replay, every single week. We love and appreciate you guys. And the reason why I talk about the video cast is because we're also available on podcasts so wherever you get podcasts just go in there and type in raw and unscripted with christopher roush you can find us on spotify itunes of course which is the most predominant one uh iheart radio all the different places where you might get podcasts that's where we are at we just appreciate you guys being here spending your tuesday nights with us um many of you guys come here live and check out our guests we've got an amazing guest for you tonight hopefully she is going to be able to make it truth be told she is in florida right in the eye of the uh the hurricane that's coming down there i can't remember it's ian or irma or something like that so hopefully Hopefully she's going to be able to have connection to be able to join us tonight. If not, we're going to have a Ron and scripted show, a truly Ron and scripted show with just you and I, and I'll figure out something to talk about to bring you guys value for the next uh, short time. So as always here, we do here on the, um, on the uh, Ron and scripted show. And also on the unfiltered experience is we talk about help heal humanity. HelpHealHumanity.org is an organization which I am on the board of directors on. It's a phenomenal organization uh, led and founded by Serena Buffalino, who is just an absolute dynamic you know, individual right now. She is training to do, um, I think, what amounts to over a 100-mile bike ride to raise funds to uh, for our current campaign, which is to send kids to school in Haiti. And if you've watched any bit of news, I don't really watch the news, but if you go on there, you find that Haiti has just been absolutely just devastated a time and time again with the earthquakes, with the political uh, disruptions that are going on right there. Um, so through it all, through it all, we continue to strive to send our kids to school, not only send our kids to school, but also get them fed because how can you concentrate if you're starving to death? Literally, the food insecurity in some of these uh, impoverished nations is absolutely just heart crushing. So not only are we trying to send these kids to school, but we're also trying to feed them and we need your help. So if you get, and I know you do, get value out of this particular broadcast or any of the broadcasts that I bring you, especially with the unfiltered experience, please consider doing what you can. I had somebody text, text message me the other day. They donated 25 bucks. They said, Chris, this is all I could do. And I'm like, that's 25 bucks that gets us closer to feeding somebody and sending them to school. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for guys. What are your, whatever it is that you're doing appreciate you guys for that um, because it takes a village it takes a village and it takes a team and be sure to go check out helphealhumanity.org the website go check it out um, it's a phenomenal organization if you want to volunteer your time if you have fundraisers that you can do for us we would love to hear what those are and and help you help support you guys those uh, in in those particular efforts so thank you guys for checking that out helphealhumanity.org and we are still waiting for our guests to show up um, so I have a bad feeling about that uh, we have tonight we have Forbes Riley who's going to be coming into us but again, she is directly in the eye of the storm. So I am not sure if she's going to be able to make it or not. But that just gives us an opportunity just to kind of roll with whatever is on our hearts and mind right now. And this is the Raw and Script Show. And actually, truth be told, we are on episode 178. 178 episodes I've done of this particular show. And I started it back in November of 2019. It started off on the Speaking to the Heart podcast network, and I was invited to become a host for that network through the fact that I was being interviewed by a buddy of mine, Travis Barton. Um, he was having me on his show, and the and the owner of the uh, of the podcast network said, "Hey, Chris, you know, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? You've got a great voice for one." And I said, "Actually, yeah." I said, "Actually, I just did a two and a half year radio show where I did a live radio show every single week called the Kickass Radio Show. I did that through Blog Talk Radio, and I said, "Yeah, I've been thinking about doing a podcast." And so after some coercion and whatnot, we finally decided on the name, which was Raw and Scripted, which has been that ever since it started. And it was like, I think I started the show a week before I went in for my major back surgery back in 2019. And so I did that episode and then I said, okay, we're going to come back to you in a couple of weeks and we're going to see how Christopher is doing. And true to my nature, true to being unstoppable, true to being wrong unscripted, the show has gone on every single week uh, for those 178 weeks. I think we've had probably two or three replays over the three years we've been doing this um but otherwise it's always been live it's always been uh it started off actually just being me i never really had a guest but then as the idea came to do the video podcast um i was like well i'm gonna start interviewing people again 
So it's always been a mixture of those two different facets um, in there. So wherever you guys are at, coming to uh, coming to us, you know, be sure to put something in the chat. Let us know that you're here. Let me know what I can serve for you tonight because it looks like it's going to be a solo show. And I honestly didn't prepare anything because I was feeling that we we're going to be sitting here talking to Forbes, which will definitely demonstrate my raw and scripted skills. But yeah, the reason why I decided to start to, to, to do all this stuff, you know, the personal development thing and everything else is because of the situation that I grew up in, being homeless on the streets for four years, being a seventh grade dropout out living with a mother with various psychological disorders and surviving all of that, which as you guys know, if you follow me for any length of time, I'm writing the book. It's just you and me kid. Um, going back and recapping a lot of these, these particular situations in my life and getting to the point where I actually start becoming successful in the book as you're reading it, that was my only desire was to be able to go back. And once I got a taste of what it was like to give somebody some advice from, from all the different experiences that I went through, it caused me to think about that you go through life and you grow through life. As my friend, Tony Rodriguez says, you grow through those different experiences that challenge you. And from those opportunities, as you get stronger, it's the hero's journey. You get to go on that journey and go help other people potentially avoid those same quote unquote mistakes or failures to be able to, um, what's up, Robert. Good to see you, brother. Um, you get to go through those opportunities and you get to go help other people hopefully avoid those mistakes in their life. And I've done that with my coaching. I've done that with my professional speaking, speaking from stage, uh, of course, the coaching. And then when I started the kick-ass radio show, the whole intention was to interview one person a week who had a similar story to mine. They've been through challenges. They've been to hell and back. Um, hell was afraid that we're going to take over. And so I would interview those people and I would ask them, what are five kick-ass tips for living an unstoppable life? And so for that show, I think we did that show for three and a half years. Um, it's still available. If you go and type uh, um, the kick-ass radio show with Christopher Roush, you'll find uh, it's actually still on iTunes, which is pretty crazy. And I had a blast doing that. I met a lot of amazing people, had celebrities on the show. And uh, just talking about what it takes to live a kick-ass life because we've all been through those experiences, those challenging experiences, those trials and tribulations of our life. And no greater feeling is to be able to say that you've been through that, you've grown through that. And now, hey, can I teach you something about what potentially you might go through uh, in order to help offer some opportunities and some strategies to be able to come stronger um, so that you don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to do it alone. Um, there have been times in my life where I am so thankful that I had people, uh, brighter and smarter than myself, you know, through masterminds and through my own coaching and through my own mentors who were able to impart some information to me to be able to help me go through those situations that they had already been through. So I could circumnavigate some of those challenges and be able to get through that particular period of that storm, if you will, um, without, you know, having too much, uh, um, uh, impact in my life, negative impact in my life. And so that's what we should all be doing. We should all be striving to, to wake up every single day and take some certain aspect of our history that we've grown through, that we've been through, that we've been challenged by and go out there and help some other people go through that. And I can think of no other better way than for me personally, when I got involved with helping at-risk kids and at-risk kids are people or kids that have been in juvenile hall, you know, they're struggling with, uh, with authority. Uh, they're struggling in school. Maybe they're been in and out of foster care. They don't know what they're, who the real parents are. Um, and those are the kids that I personally have helped for so many years now. I work with, a, with an organization called Olive Crest Children's Foundation. I also work with another organization called the Brightest Star. And through that action, I was also a mentor for the Corona Police Department here in Southern California. And so I was actually assigned a, a youth and was able to meet with that kid for every week for six weeks or for six months and take him to baseball games and do stuff like that. But just be able to be there and be a big brother to him. Probably one of the greatest experiences in my life, because when you know that you've been through some stuff and that you're able to go help other people circumnavigate that stuff, especially the youth, what better way to live? So, I mean, if you've never experienced that, there's also something out there called CASA, C-A-S-A, -A, uh, court appointed um, geez, now I'm going to forget it now. Coin, court appointed. Yeah, I'm going to forget it now. But anyways, if you go Google it, CASA, uh, it's an amazing organization where you can actually go help, um, not necessarily defend kids, but you can go actually be supportive of them while they go to court dates and whatnot. And you can kind of get involved in their life and be able to help them out. And I've not done, I've not done that yet because before when I was in my day job, I didn't have that kind of time. But when you go donate and give to kids, whether you're a big brother or a big sister, whatever it is possibly you can do, you're volunteering at a homeless shelter. I've done stuff like that before. When you go home, you know, it's incredible. When you leave the house, you think you have some sort of certain set of problems and everything else. But when you come back after seeing these kids and seeing people who have been struggling and in challenging situations, um, it's a, it's crazy what it is that you can actually, um, accomplish and what you can accomplish in your legacy. Um, Charles Gaines, Dr. Charleston Gaines is in the house. He says, special advocate, he goes, uh, court,
court appointed special advocate. Thank you, Charleston. I appreciate you, brother. Um, let me know if you can hear me. Okay. I want to make sure my microphone's working and everything. I'm using a different set of headphones tonight um, and still waiting for our guest to come. I'm not sure if she's going to be able to make it. I have not heard from her. So hopefully she actually has uh, internet connection. If not, we'll get her back on the show another time. But at any rate, when you take those gifts and you're able to go back and help other people, it's pretty extraordinary what it is that you learn about yourself. Uh, so much to the point when I did my, uh, when I first got into coaching, it was before life coach was even a, a term. And I just got into it and said, okay, if I work with you for six weeks, um, you go do three nice things for complete strangers and come back and tell me about it. And so what I found out is the fact that my coaching was instrumental in getting them through those six weeks and, and, and establishing their self-confidence and being able to shift their perspectives about their past, present, and their future. But what they had to go do, what they got to go do for those other people who were in need was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I, there were so many different stories where they didn't know what to do. And I said, well, do you sing? Do you play guitar? Do you tell jokes? Yeah. Okay. We'll go find a local, um, go find a local, um, elderly organization or a convalescent hospital or a rehab place and go offer your time, maybe have, you know, an entertainment hour or something like that and go talk to these elderly folks and give them some time and attention. Um, go donate your time at a, at a, at a homeless mission. Uh, what were some of the other ones? There were so many great ones, but the fact of when they went through those experiences to go help somebody else out that was in, in more dire need than them, than themselves, it was pretty crazy what they thought, what they learned about themselves and the, the gratitude they had because so oftentimes when we're going through challenges, that's all we're looking at. We're looking at that hyper-focused challenge and we're, we're, we're wondering when we're going to get through those things. I'm not excluded from that. I have my own challenges still to this day. And it's not like my life just suddenly became better and without issue. We're all always going to have challenges in our life. But when we reshape our, our, our focus and we get to have some gratitude for those experiences, because as we go through those challenges, we become stronger, we become more adept, we become we have more uh, uh, strategies in our toolbox to be able to handle those situations. Plus, like I said before, we get to go out there and help other people go through those ex those experiences. It's pretty incredible. And for me personally, in helping so many people, I've been coaching for over 20 years. It's pretty incredible when I look back on the different clients that I've had and the different situations I've helped coach people through, what an amazing feeling it is to be able to take all my experiences and all my life and going to school and finally getting my master's degree going through coaching and mentoring and my masterminds and things of that nature, um, what it's done for my personal arsenal of strategies and to go out there and help one another, especially this time in our life is, is such a, uh, an awesome feeling because at the end of the day, when you think about what it is that you're here for, have you clearly identified that? Have you clearly identified what your legacy is and what to say, listen, this is why I'm here and this is what I'm about. Hello, Tom. Good to see you. Um, Dr. Charleston Gaines says, I can hear you. Barbara Beckley's in the house. She goes, what's up, Rockstar? Good to see you. Good to see you. We're still waiting for Forbes. I'm not sure if she's going to make it. I have not heard a single peep out of her. Um, so anyways, I'm just going to continue talking and providing you guys value. So feel free to ask me any questions. This is truly a raw and unscripted show. I didn't have anything planned because I thought I was going to be talking to Forbes Riley, um, but shit happens and you just continue roll. So when I think about what I was talking about legacy, when you wake up in the morning, do you know why you're here? Do you know without a, without a shadow of a doubt, what's your purpose here is? And for me, you know, back in 2008, I wrote my eulogy. I came back from a, from a funeral and I was so inspired by how so many of my coworkers got up and they eulogized this person who had passed away that we worked with. I had no idea what caliber of type of person that she was. I knew her and I worked with her, but I didn't know her deeply. But to see how she was eulogized caused me to sit back and think, Chris, if you died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? So again, think about that for yourself. If you died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? And back in that time, I was in my early 30s. I might have been 32, 33. And I thought if I died tomorrow, 10 or 15 people, 10 or 15 people would show up. They bring cases of Miller and Genuine Draft and bottles of Jack Daniels and Motley Crue and Bon Jovi records. And they would talk about all the times and all the different things that Chris did while he was stupid, like when he was drunk or whatever. And I thought as I was driving home that afternoon, I was like, is that really how I want to be remembered? Or do I want to have a much deeper impact in this world? So God is my witness. I went home and I picked up my my always forever sitting right next to me, my yellow pad of paper. I'm a, I'm a yellow pad compulsive guy. And I sat there and I said, if I okay, let's write my eulogy. And so many people are uncomfortable thinking about and talking about death. But the fact of the matter is, guys, for every day that you're alive, you're getting one day closer to that expiration date. And so when I went home and I wrote out my eulogy, I wasn't sure what to expect. I wrote in there, you know, he got his car in Hot Rod Magazine and did all these different things, all these different goals that I had in my mind. But what was crazy is when I went back and I read it back to myself, by the time I got halfway through it, I had tears actually running down my face because I was saying in such a way 
that I wanted to be remembered for more than the guy that was just a party animal. And so as these tears are running down my face, I get to this part where it says Christopher Roush will have fought for what, what was right and what was fair. He will have risked for which that mattered and he will left the earth a better place for who he did and what he, for who, what he said and what he did. And so when I got to that point, I was like, wow, you know, even in my early thirties and everything else, this is what I could do with my life. I can actually take all my experiences, all my challenges. The two times I tried to commit suicide, unfortunately I sucked at it. I could take all these different experiences and create a legacy that I'm proud of. And so when I wake up every single morning, God is my witness. I say what I'm grateful for before my eyes open. And then I set the intention of how that particular day I'm going to fulfill that legacy. So for example, if I have coaching appointments or if I have a speaking engagement, that's a big opportunity for me to share my legacy and to share my why and to inspire people like you guys out there to have your same why, because so many people are lost. They don't have the clarity of what it is that they that they want to be when they grow up, if you will. And so they're walking around aimlessly and they're playing the someday game. Someday when the kids are grown, someday when I divorce my husband, someday when I can quit this job, someday when the when this is whatever it might be, then I'll start living my legacy. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, I invite you to sit there and think about what it is that you can do every single day to 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 find that legacy, to be excited about that legacy. And then when you wake up, I set the intention today to use my words and my actions to make the world a better place for who I am and what I do. That's something I say every single day. I'm going to use my words, and my actions today to make the world a better place for who I do, for what I say and what I do. You can do that. So whatever your legacy is in the world, if you're a nurse and you want to save lives, if you're a doctor, if you're a dentist, if you're, if you're a lawyer, whatever it is, it might be, you're a housekeeper, you're a, a, a mother, whatever it is, might be, what is your big legacy so that when your day comes, God forbid it's tomorrow, what do you want people to say about you? How do you want to be remembered? So one of the exercises I have my coaching clients do is I have them go out to their friends and their family and ask them for three words that describes them, describe them the most. So what three words, when you think of Christopher Roush, describe me? And so you would send me those words, uh, passionate, heartfelt, um, congruent. Okay, so I take those words and I apply those words in some sort of fashion into my eulogy. You know, Christopher Roush was passionate. He was congruent. Here's the reason why he was congruent. And so when you go out there and you do that exercise and you ask people like, what do you think of, what word do you think of when you think about me and the impact that I have in your life? And so when you take that, number one, you start hearing some really good stories about yourself, but then you take all those adjectives and then you write that into a eulogy. And then ultimately you have a storyboard for your life because when you think about life, you think about when you're going to do something, what is it that you think about most? You think about, okay, I have to get there. And then what? And then what? And then what? So here's the thing. When you know your eulogy, you know your, your legacy, you think with the end in mind. So for my legacy to, to, to use my words to fight for what's right and what's fair, now I have to work backwards. What does that look like? Okay, that looks like professional speaking. That looks like coaching. That looks like writing books. That looks like doing podcasts. That looks like going out there and be nice to my fellow um, neighbors and to the world. That that looks like you know being a part of the solution and not being part of the problem. That looks like not complaining. So all these different things, as I'm working backwards on this, I'm creating a framework of how I'm going to live my life every single day. And so then as you're going through your day, you can sit there and ask yourself, am I living up to that legacy that I painted for myself? Am I living up to that true, clear picture of that congruency of me walking my talk every single day? Well, right now, no. Right now, I'm actually bitching. Right now, I'm not feeling so good. Okay, so what is it that I can do to change in this moment to re- define, re-clarify what my legacy and what my bigger purpose is and help shift my, my, my perspective right now from being that of somebody who's perhaps having a pity party to somebody who is actually, you know, redirected and refocused on what it is that's most important in their life. So for me, if this is my last show that I ever do, God's honest truth, I want my son to be able to pull this up on tape or, you know, pull this up on recording and be able to say, was my dad living his purpose? Was he living his attention? Yes or no? Because my eulogy is going to be read at my funeral or my, you know, my funeral, my celebration. So is my, can my son come watch the show and go, dad was on point. Dad was talking about what he could do to make the world a better place. Dad was inspiring people. That's what I want. So whether I'm doing a clubhouse room, whether I'm being interviewed, whether I'm interviewing, whether I'm coaching, whether I'm doing a social media post, whatever it is, I might be doing a walk and talk. I want that the world can see at every step along the way, Chris is living his purpose. Chris is living his, his passion and has that clarity. And so if you're struggling to find what that clarity is for yourself, then I invite you to sit down and start doing some work, start doing some brainstorming, start doing some masterminding, start doing some storyboarding, start doing whatever it is for me. I like to do, um, I just forgot the name of it, a mind mapping. So mind mapping. So like you take a, you take a, a, a bubble in the center and you go legacy, and then you just write something off of that. Um, humanity, um, 
uh, you know, giving, you know, loving all these different things. You start putting those, those other words in there and you're basically green lighting this brainstorming session with yourself. So that at the end, you got all these bubbles and you got all these different things that are kind of connected to themselves and you can sit there and say, okay, what part of this can I take and start putting into word format? like actually writing this thing out. And so you start developing this picture, this roadmap of your life. And just like anything else in life, you pull out your GPS. Where would you be right now if you didn't have your GPS for half the places that you go to all the time? So that GPS says, here's where you're going next. You're going to go left here. You're going to go right here. Without that clarity of who it is that you're going to be, without that mission and that, and that sense of passion for why you were here, you're going to remain lost. And guess what? The things that you do get to appreciate in your life, you're probably only going to appreciate them on like a scale of like a six on a scale of 10, because you're not going to have that overwhelming clarity and that passion of who it is that you are being. You're truly what I call existing in life. I, I talk about this, you're either living life or you're existing in life. And so if you're going through lost without that clarity, you know, I invite you to sit there and, and get a coach. I mean, God's honest truth. I wouldn't be sitting here in front of you today if I didn't have my coach, the great Sally Anderson, because back in 2019, we worked together and had it not been for her, I would be sitting behind another desk job after I left my corporate position back in 2019. But because I had her as a coach and because I had invested in myself in all those years before with masterminds and everything else, I was ready to take that leap. Was that leaf scary? Absolutely. But I had my legacy in mind. I'm like, Chris, are you going to fulfill your legacy going back to another day job? No. I mean, yeah, you are, but you're not going to do it in the sheer leaps and bounds and terms of what it is that you can do on your own. Is it scary? Absolutely. Is it going to be uncomfortable? Absolutely. But are you going to grow through it? Absolutely. And so that's when I decided to take that leap and sit there and say, you know what, I'm not going to go back to corporate again. I've done, you know, over 26 years of my last company. I'd been in corporate, you know, since I was young. I mean, I basically had my first job when I was 14 years old. We lied about my age, by the way. Um, so yeah, I want to just want to capture some of these, uh, some of these questions, some of these comments here. I appreciate you beautiful people being here. I apologize. Uh, we'll have to get Forbes back on here. But uh, I just want to congratulate this brother right here, Dr. Charleston Gaines, just recently became a doctor. I'm honored to be involved with him on something that we're going to be uh, announcing here pretty pretty shortly. I'll just say it's the Visioneering Five. I'll give you that. Uh, we got Tom, Tom in the house. He says, hello. What's up, Tom? Thank you for being here, brother. Um, and uh, Facebook user says, got you loud and clear, brother. I'm not sure which one's that. I think that might be Angel. It could be Lynn Serrano. I'm not sure why that comes up like that. We got Jonathan Pleska in the house. He goes, life without regrets or live without regrets. What's up, Jonathan? I got the talking about masterminds. I got the opportunity to meet Jonathan um, at, a, at a mastermind here in Southern California in Los Angeles many times over. So Jonathan, thank you for being here. I appreciate you, man. Barbara Beckley says here, legacy is something to think about. Very good subject. Yes. Yes. It's something I think about all the time, as you can, as you can tell, I'm very passionate about that. It's a basis for my coaching. Um, Barbara uh, says here, I could come on. I could come on and visit. Um, might, might have you do that, actually. We've got uh, Andrew Rimkus in the house. He says, hello, what's up, Andrew? Thank you for being here. And like the Nike uh, logo says, uh, Barbara says, just do it. And uh, Barbara says, you have something to help others in life. Absolutely. And Barbara says here, Christopher Roush is passionate, very knowledgeable, real, and care for others. Kick-ass coach. Ah, you're sweet. Um, Barbara also says here, live with your purpose. And Andrew says, hi, Christopher. Hi. Again, <laughs> what's up, Andrew? What's going on, man? Um, and Barbara says, your mind mapping was just teaching uh, a client this the other day. Hell yeah. Um, Barbara says, you're doing in life or just existing. Absolutely. Uh, Facebook user says, that wasn't me, but hey. Well, who is it, Facebook user? What's going on? Who are you? Um, and Charleston, yes, you are most welcome, brother. You're, I mean, you deserve that, man. You have definitely um made uh made an impact in my life already um I've got ellie nicole in the house what's up ellie she says hi warm wishes chris thank you for being here uh, ellie i appreciate you guys so feel free to ask me any questions um since this is a truly a raw and scripted particular show oh angel yeah i knew i was gonna angel I, I reached out to you today angel to see how you were doing by the way so thank you for being here i'm not sure why it says that um i'm not sure barbara says here waiting i'm not sure waiting um Waiting for what, Barbara? Um, so yeah, so when I think about, you know, having clarity of passion and purpose, you know, when you're going throughout your day, you ask yourself, is this getting me closer to or further from my stated goal? 
So if you woke up that day and said, my stated goal is to make an impact in the world and you haven't made an impact in the world, then you can ask yourself in that moment, what can I do right now? Um, can I do a walk and talk video? Can I do a post? Can I reach out and call somebody? You know, that's something that I've been finding has been really great lately is just reaching out and touching someone's heart directly, you know, whether sending a message, you know, a text message, a Facebook message, we're actually just picking up the phone and calling. I tend to be one of those people that says, Hey, is now a good time to talk? I just don't start calling people. Um, so, you know, when you think about that intentionality and you're living on your mission, then that feeds upon itself. But so oftentimes we get stuck in that spiral activity of going down the rabbit hole, wondering what's next and worrying about what's next and being afraid of making mistakes and having failures. When the truth of it is, when you look back on your life, ladies and gentlemen, when was it that you learned the most and grew the most? When things were super simple or when things were challenging? When things were challenging. Oh, you want to come on, Barbara? Actually, let's do, let's just, let's do a little fun here. Let me see if I can do this. Barbara, I'm going to send you a link. I'm going to send you a link and we'll riff raff here for a second. Um, yeah, we'll just, we'll just go, uh, I'll send it to you on Facebook. Um, let's see. We'll just go, we'll just have a little fun right here. Barbara actually is, um, Barbara and I work together on the healing humanity podcast. So I was talking about help heal humanity at the beginning of the, uh, beginning of this, the beginning of this broadcast. And so last week, uh, the healing humanity broadcast, which goes on Thursday nights at 6 PM Pacific standard time. Um, she needed to do something for one of her clients. So Serena and I helmed the show last Thursday and, uh, we meet once a week and we talk about, you know, the podcast structure and what's, what's good and what's happening and what's working. So we do that as a team. And then also we work together on the board of directors with uh, Help Heal Humanity. So uh, we do that. So we're going to just go crazy right now and have Barbara come join us. What's up, Miss Beck? crazy. Let's What's up? <laughs> What's going on, Barbara? Miss Queen, how are you doing, darling? Mr. King. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's up? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. I was like, okay. You're just sitting there talking and everything. I said, hey, I come on. I don't mind. You know, I like yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. No, it's good. And actually, you're, you're scheduled to be on the show, aren't you? You have an actual scheduled date, don't you? No, no, no. A... I did have one, and then I have to. I had to redo it. So this kind of oh. works out. Yeah, no, I still want to have you on proper and everything. But what's going on in your world, Miss Busy Woman? Oh, you know, I just did this whole weekend. I've been doing 14-hour days. Wow. Yes. And, and, and then I'm coming on the show, right? <laughs> I know. What are you like volunteering? You should be like, "Ooh, I got some time. I'm going to relax. Let Chris sit there and talk. What's you know, I was, because I was looking and I was listening to you. I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. I think I want to go and just talk to my friend Christopher and talk go. about legacy and all that other good stuff that you're talking about. So, yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. you know what your legacy is? Do you have that? Do you have that, that blueprint in your brain of what it is you want to be remembered for in your life? Well, the biggest thing that I'm working on is PPD. That's my brand is purpose, passion, and drive. And I am like the sounding board <laughs> for the world to say, please live it. See what you're talk talking about, Christopher, we're vibing so much when it comes to your purpose and passion and drive. And I always tell people that if you don't do that, it's like you miss out and you only have this one life. Well, some people believe in, you know, <laughs> other things. That's, that's a whole nother story. But oh, yeah. I mean, while you're living this life, really dig deep. And I always tell people, dig deep. Like you were talking about corporate, me and you. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm still doing oh, yeah. some corporate. Unfortunately, during the day, I'm a corporate night. I'm doing my business, but I knew that wasn't just me. I knew I had to be bigger than that. So that's why I did my speaking and, and going out and coaching and helping other women, especially women in business. That's really trying to find their niche. And I said, this is what I love to do. It's like, this is my playground. Yeah. And so I, I tell everybody, please, Figure it out. If you don't know how, ask Christopher, ask me. We always dig deep when we're coaching because we want you to have the very best in your life. So, yeah, mm -hmm. that's my legacy. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that, Barbara. So what process did you go through in order to come up with the legacy and the vision of, of what Barbara Beckley's life is going to be about? Well, the process came to me without me asking for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way life usually shows up. It doesn't even knock. It just like bounds down your door. It just said, okay, here you go, deal with it. And you're going to learn from it or you're going to sit and be a victim the rest of your life. And I said, I will not be a victim the rest of my life. And, you know, I when we met Christopher, you know, I just love it because I heard your story and heard all the things that you dealt with in life. And you took that and you just ran with it and said, I'm not going to let that be my, that's not my world. That is not my tag on me. 
I mean, it's mm -hmm. part of me because I use it to grow and help other people, but you didn't make it as this is it. And this is all that I'm going to, you know, I, I went through all my doom and gloom, but no, the doom and gloom, I always say it's stepping stones to strengthen your life. So with Amen. myself, the stuff that I went through um, with, you know, real quickly, because I know your show, I don't want to take too no, much time. We got, we got time. We got time. Tell your story. But, you know, when I was the age of between eight, well, no, six and nine, I was like bullied heavily. They called me alien, Christopher. I mean, in school, they called me an alien. They told me, they said, we don't even know why you're here. They said, do you even live on, why you live on this earth? I mean, I had children telling me that on a day-to-day -day basis. And then they wow. went to the, you're ugly and you'll never go nowhere and you're stupid. I mean, it was just, just, you know. Horrible, just, especially yeah. at that age. I mean, that's where you're really starting to to frame up your own sense of self and your own self ego and your confidence and everything else. That's horrible. I know, and I know. And see, being a child, like you said, what do you do with that? You know, what do you mm -hmm. do with that? And and I'm kind of talking now to parents and, and their children real quickly. You know, you have to be there and ask those questions. Now, Chris, you have a wonderful and amazing son. He's so cute. Thank you. Which I'm gonna see on Facebook, and I love how you check in with your son. You do that every day. You make sure he's doing okay. You ask questions. You're around him. You're, you know, you just making sure. And I tell all everybody else, please do that. My dad did that with me. Thank God for my dad at the time. Because if he didn't, I probably wouldn't be half the stuff I'm doing right now. I wouldn't be doing because of him. So mm -hmm. that's where, now that's where it landed to the other story. Like you said, how, how did my whole legacy come about? So with that, I said, okay getting bullied, wasn't a cool thing, didn't feel good at all. Then on top of that, like I told you, my dad, he was my rock, just the star show of my life, gave me hugs, kisses, and everything else. Well, when I turned to age of 17, that all ended. And it ended because he was murdered. Oh, and it just was like, oh, Christopher. Ooh, damn, uh, dude. You just dropped a hammer right now. Oh. Big hammer, a huge hammer in my life. Um, Cause I had a weird, weird relationship with my mother. So it was like yin yang. It was my father was the yang, she was the yin, whatever how you say it. And <laughs> me and her just really wasn't. <laughs> it just it was like oil and water and some other stuff. Detergent mixed. It still wasn't mixing right. <laughs> Gasoline, <laughs> yep. kerosene, like, all of it. Everything was just like. But then my dad, it was just like. You know, just you know, because he and he would tell me like the times when I came from school and I was crying and kids were just talking about me. He would tell me I was a princess and I was going to be this diamond and I was a diamond in the rough and it was going to be this oh. big diamond when I get when I get older. So that's where my diamond network came from, because exactly. he used to always tell me that. And I told myself before I said after he passed away and I kind of went crazy for um, a few months afterwards. Um, to the fact when I found out when he was, when, you know, about the murder that they had to basically take me into the hospital and, um, the paramedics had to pick me up for miles and basically take me to the hospital. And I went to a 48, 48 hour suicide watch because they were scared. I was going to do something to myself, which they were correct. Cause I was thinking of, I'm just done. I said, my wow. dad's not here. He's not here to encourage me to tell me that I'm going to be that diamond rough. All that's gone. Then I got to deal with my mother, who today, I mean, after me growing older and we got together, I love her dearly, rest her soul. <laughs> but at that time, it wasn't so much because we were having it. Yeah. So after you I was, were, 17, I just want to make sure you were 17 at the time, right? I was 17 at the time. Okay. I was four months away from graduating from high school. And this is, see, this is the part before I get to the graduation real quick, because this all goes back to the, the legacy thing. When I was in the hospital and I was just laying there because they put me on a sedative. So I was kind of like in and out, like, oh, I don't know where I'm at. Well, the only thing I want to do is leave. And I'm just talking about just leaving the hospital, leaving Earth, <laughs> basically, right. if you want to put it that way. And I found like this, this little, I don't, I don't know what, it wasn't a knife or something. It was just something that I think you do with your nails or something. I don't know. Somebody left it in there. And I said, oh, someone was thinking about me. So now I could do what I want to do. Well, the nurse came in and... She had to do my vital signs and stuff. And the only thing I was thinking about, Christopher, was like, okay, can you just go so I can do what I need to do? I just don't want to be here no more. Do you understand what just happened? 
you know, my my base, my diamond, my rock in my world is gone. It's just shuttered. So she looks at me before she left the room, Christopher. She turns around and I'm like, okay, you took everything. You took what? <laughs> Go. And yeah, yeah. she looks at me and she says, Barbara, I don't know why this is popping in my head. I don't even know you that well. All I know is that you lost a family member. She said, but some's telling me that whatever you're thinking about doing, don't do it because it's saying to me that you're supposed to be like this diamond in the rough. And when you get older, you are going to be changing lives. Now she said this, didn't know wow. my dad, didn't know about no diamond, none of that. None of it, Christopher, none. Wow, that's amazing. And it blew my mind. I was, I was laying there and I was like, well, forget that. <laughs> You're like, you just got, you just got, you just got checked up on. Like dad was, was talking. Like, John Mike in the hospital. And I was like, that was it, Christopher. I mean, that was just like the heavens above, whatever you want to call this, open up in that room and told me moving forward, Barbara, even if you do it for, for your father first, you have to make sure that every, especially woman understands their purpose understand that they're valued and understand they have a voice. And that's my yes. mission moving forward. That's my legacy. So after that point, and thank you for sharing that, Barbara, I didn't, I did not know this. And if you did tell me I'm the best secret keeper anyway, so I forgot, but, um, <laughs> So how did you how did you start unpacking that for the rest of your life? I mean, you're dealing with this the, the tumultuous nature of being a kid and having all the 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 picking on and the bullying, and everything, the the disassociation with your mom, your rock passes away. How did you start rebuilding your own identity, especially at such a a, a pivotal age? Yeah, well, like I said, when that came to me, when when that nurse came, it just really just did something to my head and my heart. It's like it just hit. It's like a a boulder just hit. And just said, okay, you need to move forward. So at that point in time, I said, no matter what I do, because my father was very uh, believed in education. I mean, he wanted me, he basically said, you're going to, I want you to get your degree, all that stuff. And my mother said it in a different way, but she, like, it's a different relationship. <laughs> but he, and I can tell you that later if we get another show. But um, he always, because he had his, he had three bachelors. I mean, he went, he did all that. So I told wow. myself, I said, I want to make sure that I do that. So first I need to go back to high school. I have five more months to graduate. So within those five months, Christopher, I did all, you know, did everything I needed to do with my, my, uh, my courses and everything and graduated with honors. Whoa. A roll on an honor roll, excuse me. And yeah, I thought it was, it was like, what? <laughs> when they told me, they said, oh, you're going to get one of them with those little yellow tassels or something that you wear to show that you're, well, I forgot what they call it now. But um, I walked down. I was like number what forty-seven out of um, a school, like a thousand people graduating um, wow. to get that. And then um, after that, I just said, "Okay, I need to make some money, <laughs> yeah. and, and I still need to go to school." So I did. I went. To, I, I worked during the day, and then I went to college at night. So I was taking college courses at night, and within two years, well, three years, and I got my associates. And then a year I added on to that. Then I got my bachelor's degree in business management. And then I said, okay, this is, this is, I got to get better now. I got to do other things. So I started taking courses in management, started taking courses everywhere. But one thing that I didn't really zone in on that happened when I started working at a company, at an insurance company is my speaking and my communication skills. Mm. Because with that. everything that went on when I was younger, Christopher, I was very, and some people tell me today I'm lying about this, but I was very shy. I I, I didn't talk to anybody because, you know, I, I closed in on myself because people told me I wasn't going to be anything. I mean, the kids were saying over and over for four years, they kept saying, you're not going to be anybody. You're not going to do anything in life. So I don't even know why you're at school. You know, this this one kid, took, one time he took <laughs> this one little he took my I can laugh at it now because I'm just so glad I'm, I'm over I mean I moved from that but this one I, I remember well where we had to have our books and our notebooks and stuff well two of the kids stole all of my notebooks and books and everything and I didn't have it and I had to go through the rest of the day without any and the teacher was like Barbara she, she thought I left my you know stuff at home and I'm like no and then the kid told me if I tell then they were going to beat me up after school it was just yeah so I just basically told her I left it at home 
Wow. Yeah, because I didn't want to, I didn't know what they were going to do. I didn't, you know, so I was like, that's the bullying part of it. And, but I didn't let it stop me. I didn't let it stop me. So how did you, how did you develop that confidence to start opening up? Cause I'm exactly like you were, I was bullied at, at on my street. I was bullied at school. And I also was bullied at house at my house because my mom beat the shit out of me. I had zero self-confidence. I was not outgoing at all. When I, so when I tell people that I used to be super shy and actually I still am kind of shy. People go, are you fucking kidding me, Chris? Like, really? And I'm like, actually, I still, I actually, I, even my wife laughs at me. She goes, shut up. I said, I'm a very, I'm a very outgoing introvert. Like I could totally be by myself for 10 days, not talk to anybody. I'm totally good with it. Um, but talk to us about how you started, you know, seeing yourself differently. How, how did you develop that confidence in a world where you, where everything is shattered? You know what, really? Cause I love movies. I love movies and I love music. So I got really, I would take my world that I didn't like and go into the movie world. <laughs> so oh. I would see different movies and I would have the movie going in my head. That's why it's funny. Cause as of today, when people talk to me or if I'm talking to somebody or coaching, I have a movie going on <laughs> and they'd be like, well, what are you talking about? I said, I'm always playing a movie. I mean, when you tell me, if you tell me, if you say, if you say, Barbara, you know, I went to the beach today with my son and we, you know, we, we pulled some shell, you know, seashells and stuff. I, literally, I have a movie, you and him jumping yeah. around happy and, and, you know, you just, you know, say, hey, man, high five. I mean, I'm, all that's going on in my head. So I use that to kind of get through some of the the craziness that was going on in my life. And, um, you know, I, be, I was a fame dancer. I was, uh -huh. I was in fame and people were like, bro, you gotta see you in fame. What you talking about? I said, I was in fame. <laughs> in my head, <laughs> I was in fame. So you basically helped to write new programming into your conscious and your subconscious mind, because our conscious mind doesn't know the difference between real reality and, and perceived reality. And I tell people this all the time, like, have you ever had a bad dream? Of course you've had a bad dream. And what happens when you wake up, you feel like whatever was happening in the dream was happening in real life. Like your heart's racing, you're sweating, you're scared. Like for me, I used to have a lot of bad dreams about falling and I would wake up and I'd be like, Oh my God, nothing had happened, but my brain perceived me to be falling. So I started using that psychology and actually going in and, and, and finding out what visioning, like, you know, vision boards and stuff like that, that you can basically start telling stories and pictures in your brain to rewrite negative beliefs about yourself. So you'd actually start seeing yourself in a positive way. And so like with my clients, what I do is, you know, and invariably they'll have a challenging discussion with, you know, their spouse, their kid, their coworker, something like that. And I'm like, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend the next five days seeing a script in your mind, seeing that movie playing where you're addressing this person, you're feeling calm, cool, and collected, and you're seeing them. I want you to go one of two ways. I want you to see them like totally agreeing with you and getting it. And then I also want you to see the way that you think might happen where they're going to kind of go ape shit and kind of lose their mind and see yourself being calm, cool, and collected, thinking about your answers. And if you feel like you're going to get overwhelmed, sit there and say, you know what, Barbara, I could see this is a stressful time for you right now. This means a lot to me. So I'm going to come back. Can we talk about this again tomorrow and see yourself handling that situation? Because you're basically writing those truths and those beliefs into your brain. Yes. And so that's what you were exactly doing. You started, you started taking that identity on. Did you, did you like see a vision of who you wanted Barbara to be and start, start living that vision or talk to us about how you did that? Well, at the beginning, cause I love dancing. As you see, I talked about fame. So I love dancing. So I would make up like a whole dance. <laughs> like, you know, I look at fame, then I think about it and I would have like the certain dancers and then I would make up a whole thing. I put the music together and everything. And I would do a whole production in my head. And uh, when I was younger, I used to like be in the living room and I used to dance when my mother wasn't there because if she'd see me that, you're talking about getting your butt, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't oh, know yeah. how much I don't know how much I could go oh, you, you, this. Oh, you could this is Ron scripted, baby. You could say anything. <laughs> but she, yeah, she literally would kick my ass. So I'm just being honest. Um oh, yeah. and uh so when she would leave because she had to work a lot, I would just be in my dream world. I would just be in my dream world, you know, to the point because she used to always like you said, with bullying with the children was one thing, but when you're getting bullied by your parent like you did too. That's oh, a yeah. whole nother, a whole nother cycle. Yeah. I, I asked my mother one time, I said, am I adopted? And she's like, I'm <laughs> stupid like that. I said, because you act like you don't want me around anywhere and I can't do nothing right because every time I do something is never enough and you're always cussing me out. And for some odd reason, you gave me a middle name with that starts with a B. 
<laughs> always tell me and remind me of that's what you think I am. So I'm thinking to myself, maybe I'm adopted because maybe I shouldn't be here. And then I would have those dreams of like, you know, living in another house or being somewhere in a different village or whatever, just to, you know, get my sanity together. Um, so right. yeah, some people might think I'm crazy by saying that, right? <laughs> I was yeah. thinking about it like you were everywhere else except <laughs> here, but but, but I, I to, knew that I had to get I had to have a get, get away. I, I had to have something to get me away from the negativity and everything that was trying to come in my life. <clears throat> and then always remembering what my dad would say. So he was my anchor. You know, I always tell people always have some kind of anchor in your life that you can mm -hmm. hold on to when things go crazy, when things go crazy to get you back to that. And he was my anchor. So Chris, Chris, every time. Anything that would happen. I mean, even after that, I mean, I was sexually molested at the age of 25. Oh you know, God. I was, I, you know, with a bad relationship, I was going through a battle with that. And then I, at the age of my 40s, I found out I had uterus cancer. I had to get a hysterectomy done. So it never stopped. I mean, you know, the stories oh, no. kept going. Like, they, like you said, the hits keep going. But what do you do? You see, that's why I tell people every time something happens, you have to make that decision to go this way or that way. Mm -hmm. And I always told myself, I, I always want to make the decision to go the right way because I didn't want to be in that zone of pity party, feeling sorry for myself, being that victim mode. And then I was like, OK, but that's not going to help my legacy if I go that route. Right. That's why I said the things in your life are stepping stones of strength. Because it makes you stronger. Well, you well, let, let me just put it like this. You had to make a decision <laughs> to help you make you stronger. I had to change uh -huh. that because a lot of people can make a decision and be like, I forget what you're saying, Barbara. Oh, I'm messed up. <laughs> and then leave it. There. I showed you my tattoo before, right? No. The tattoo right here. What doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. Oh! What doesn't kill me only makes it stronger. That's not the Kelly Clarkson song, by the way. I got it done before <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. I did think about Delirious. that. <laughs> but that that's that's my philosophy about life, Barbara. It's yes. like one day it was in 2016. For the most part, for, for a large majority of my life, I've said every day is a new day. And what doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. Like literally every day. I'm not a Christian. I mean, I'm a practicing Christian, but I'm a religious person, more spiritual. spiritual. But I believe that every day we wake up is a brand new day. Like everything that's happening today, we can sit there and have our one day pity party, which I fully believe in. Like have one day, you're pissed off, you eat bonbons and all the different stuff. But ultimately, when you wake up tomorrow, it's a brand new day. And when I looked back on my life, I'm like, what doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. So having that perspective, like you can't kill me. Like David Goggins says, you know, we've heard David Goggins, crazy dude, goes, you oh, can't kill me. He's you can't kill me. So, I mean, when we have that idea that we're going to grow through those challenges and those those circumstances to be that light, like I was saying before you came on the show, I mean, what a, what a better way to live up to your dad's legacy to be able to say, hey, listen, dad, I'm still rocking and rolling. I've still gone through all these challenges, but you've been right by my side this entire time. I'm the diamond in the rough. I'm the diamond in the making. And because of you, that's what I continue to do. What are some other words of advice that your dad would impart on people if they were having challenging times? Uh, well, he always... One other thing, and I'm just going to bring this out because I think it's important to know. My dad was Caucasian. So basically, my mother was black. He was he was white. And he looked at the world in a whole different era. Now, you take talking about the 60, 70 era, right? Oh, yeah. And he and you know how that was. I mean, I know oh. we're going through racial stuff now, but it was kind of a whole nother. And then you're marrying a black woman. That's a whole nother world of itself. Big time. But he always told me. He said, I know you have to see color, Barbara, but you don't judge it. That's Amen. what he would always tell me. And he had to fight hard because his whole family just told him he is no longer in the family after he, yeah. He, they, they, they basically just disowned him completely. Wow. And he told him, he said, well, if you're not going to set my wife, you're not going to set my daughter, then I'm gone. You know, I mean, there, he was at a job where... Um, they, when they found that he was married to my mother, they said he was a manager in a factory job. And they told him, well, I think you need to make some changes or else. And he's like, well, it looks like this is my last day at work. Say what? Yes. he. They yeah. actually went into his employment and said that you, because you're dating a black woman, you're married to a black, that he had to yeah. give up his job? Yeah, they oh said, God, they, yeah, they said, yeah. I mean, you know, back then they got away with some things, which was. Jesus. 
Now uh, they do behind closed doors. I'm just being honest. Uh, <laughs> they don't, I mean, well, some still show it out loud. So, uh, you know, every time, and I, I was seeing that in my life with him. And that just made me more so respect him even in a whole nother level. Because he was fighting for his belief on what he was living with and living for. And I'll never forget this other, I was, the, it was age 12. And this is when they, we saved enough money. My mother, well, really him. My mother was, you know, mm. and he was doing most of the work at that time until she got her own business. And he said, Barbara, we are going to the bank. And I said, oh, I get some money. <laughs> <laughs> he said, we're going to the bank, Barbara. I said, oh, he said, because we're going to sign the papers for our your first home, getting a home. And I was like, yeah. I said, at 12 years old. So you're like buying a house. Yeah, he was buying a house for us at 12 years old. Wow. So he said, come on, because he also, he always wanted me to go with him everywhere. First of all, to teach me different things that was going on. And then he didn't, he always wanted to make sure that I should never feel ashamed of anything. And he I would And I'd be like, okay, don't you know they don't like us? <laughs> you know, even in my mind, I was like, people are looking at us. Because I would, even because people stared and stuff. And he would mm -hmm. just be walking like <laughs> it wasn't nothing. So we get to the bank, right? We walk in, he looks for the, you know, the loan officer or whatever. We had me looking for the, you know, he said he had an appointment. So then the uh, security guard came to us and asked, um, sir, is she lost? Is she with, is she lost? She might be lost. Maybe she's looking for her parents. So he looks, oh my God. he looks because they thought that I was like, you know, just there by myself, got like, you know, walked away, walked away from my parents or something. And he looks at them and he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, the, the girl, the little girl here, she's, uh, she looks like she's following you and we want to make sure you're safe. And everything. He's like, I'm oh very safe. He said, that's my daughter. <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh, you know, you know, because it's like their eyes popping. Like, oh, okay. So then we get to the office, we get to the table to sign. And now everything was going well that the day before. By the time I got there and then I was with him, they basically told him that they couldn't accept the loan. They said, Are you, you know, kidding me? Yeah, Christopher. They just totally just said they found a way to figure something out and said that, you know, we can't approve the loan today. And so he's this like, had to have been in the 70s, right? This had to have been, I mean, because I'm it was older like than you, 70, I, was, I was 12, it was like 78 or so, 70. That 70. is unconscionable. Yeah. Yeah. And he, it, like I said, every time something like that happened, he would just step forward like 150%. So when we got home, I was like, well, is everything okay? Did you know? She was just checking it. He's like, no, we just got to go to a different bank. <laughs> Nonchalantly. No, we just, just got like massive racism against us for, but no, yeah, we're just going to go to another bank. He's like, he's like, you know, he said he told me he's I didn't really like that bank. They wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't, you know, I didn't like what they were about. So we're gonna go to another bank. <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> you know, they just said, you know, but um, you know, I was just, you know, just astounded by everything that he took on. Cause he could have at any time, Christopher, just said, you know what, I'm getting divorced, I'm tired, I don't know you too. Bye, you know, but he didn't do that. He he stuck with me through thick and thin. He did the fights that I couldn't fight. He fought for me. I, there was a lot of times he had to come to the school because of all the bullying that was going on. And he just told every teacher, he said, you need to tell me what's going on here. Why the children are messing with it. And then it went up. <laughs> this is the sad part for me, being young. I was like, Dad, I don't need you to go up there. Because the mm -hmm. one thing I was surprised to think about, first, they're bullying me. I don't know what they're going to do. Second, they're going to see that you're not the same color as me. And they're going to bully me even more. Yeah, you know? yeah, now they're like, oh, now you don't even now your now your own people don't even like you or some of like that. Kids are it's like now you're into the soul, you're into the wound with the you know, that's what I'm thinking, right? right. And it did, unfortunately, it did it, it did escalate more. They started calling me Oreo Cookie, and and uh then that just the hits just kept going on with that. You know, oh she's black and you're white and inside, black side out, and all that. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, you're funny. Next <laughs> <laughs> That's what I used to tell him. I got to, I mean, I, me and my wife were talking about that being bullied. And she's like, oh, you're so funny. Got anything else? Like, just take the wind <laughs> out of their sails. It's so nice that we now can just say that and help other children that are growing up. They're going oh, through that. Oh, geez. Yeah. You know, I mean, how to help them out. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause kids don't, kids don't know color. They don't. I mean, I had this beautiful story during COVID. We had my mother-in-law here at the house and we had Jackson at home because um, mother-in-law couldn't get around anybody with COVID and you know, we didn't want to keep her get compromised or my wife at the time, you know, she was really overweight and not healthy. And so we, you know, just stay, we all stayed home and just, you know, kind of wrote it all out, but I would take them to the park during the day. And most of the people, you know, weren't at the park or a few other kids were at the park, you know, I would just tell them like, stay, stay away from the kids. Cause we don't, we can't get mom or, or grandma sick. And this one park I went to, there was these two little black girls playing and I said, hi to the mom. And, you know, I kind of told Jackson as we were walking up, I said, you know, you got to stay away from the other kids. I said, you're wearing your mask. They're not wearing a mask. And, you know, before I knew it, he was talking to them and I'm like, and I didn't want to be awkward. Like, okay, I'm the white guy. I don't want you. I didn't want that to appear, appear in anything. So I was like, Never mind. I'm just going to let him play. And all of a sudden, like, and I have pictures and video of this. Next thing I know, my son, this blonde haired, blue eyed kid is running with two little black girls through these sprinklers during the day. For some reason, the sprinklers went on and I have my, I have the video, I swear. And he's just running through and I'm just watching this. I'm like, God, I wish the world could see this right now. Yes. You know, like that was back when the murder of George Floyd was happening. And I'm like, you know, he doesn't know anything. They don't know anything. They're just like, Hey, you want to play? They don't even care what their name is. They're just out there having a blast. So I love yeah, the well, playmate. They're like, yay, here we go. Yeah. I, I love the fact I love the, the fact that your dad, you know, stood up for stood up, stood for his values and his morals. I'm glad that he put that into your mind because you're such a beautiful person. And I can't wait to actually have our official show because now I have so much other stuff that I'm going to go off on as far as asking you questions, but I appreciate you coming on here. We're already, it's already 756. Um, so thank you, Barbara. Where can people get a hold of you? Um, you know, I'd make it easy. Just go to uh, com. You know, that's my website and I'm all over social media. So I would love to have talk with you or just, you know, just to come on because I have my own show and, and watch those. So, yeah. Well, there we go. It's right there. BarbaraBeckley.com. Go check it out because we have um, we have the Diamond Factor experience and talk to us about your three different shows. I think you have three, right? Or four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, yeah. So I have a Diamond Factor Network, which is under E360 um, streaming. And I have four shows during the week, starting from Tuesday uh, time to time to shine happiness show with me and another co-host, Barbara Ellis. We just bring people in. They just talk about making happy the norm. That's what her, her model is. And I love that. And then on Mondays, we have the Gem Hunter Stories with Mr. Barry B. Mixon. And he talks about gems comparing to people. And then on Thursday, Ms. Christopher's with me with this. And Miss Serena on the Help Heal Humanity show, we are basically making sure that you understand how nonprofits are powerful in the world and the world changes, world changes are there. And then on Friday, I have what I call the Coaches Lounge with Barbara Beckley. And I interview all different type of coaches. Thank you. You're That's awesome, cool. Barbara. I appreciate you. I'm going to stick you backstage here for a second. Don't go anywhere. If you want to go somewhere, go somewhere. But I'm just going to end <laughs> out the show and I'll be right with you. Okay. Thank you. And there you have it, boys and girls. See, that's what happens when uh, that's what happens when people show up in your life. So although we didn't have Forbes Riley here with us tonight, and I apologize for that, I'll go back and change the, the details of the show. My beautiful sister from another mister, Miss Barbara Beckley, joined us. And there we have it, just a raw and unscripted conversation that I know definitely brought you some inspiration, some motivation, some ways to think, think, think of things differently. And uh, to Mr. Beckley up in heaven, I say thank you for raising such a beautiful daughter because uh, Barbara is a tremendous soul. So please um, get, a, get acquainted with her go check her out again at barbarabeckley.com check out her shows um just a warm warm individual with lots of uh beautiful uh, insights and passions to make the world a better place um so appreciate you guys all for being here and again um if you guys um got value out of this please do me a favor and share this show out with somebody and say, hey, listen, you know, the show started off slow, but here's what happened. Barbara joined the show and I learned these different things about racism or I learned these different things about mindset and tenacity and overcoming bullying. And so Barbara will be a guest returning on the show so we can actually dig into her story a lot more and be able to provide more valuable nuggets to you guys out there. Because at the end of the day, when we're helping each other, when we're showing up for these shows and we're listening and we're asking questions, and more importantly, we're taking something from the show that we can implement starting tomorrow, even tonight 
what better way to live your life? So for, for instance, so tomorrow morning when you wake up before your eyes open, say what you're grateful for, say what your intentions are, start the day differently. If you normally pick up the, pick up your phone and start looking at the news, say, you know what, for the first hour, I'm not going to do that stuff. I'm actually going to maybe do some journaling. I'm going to do some reading. I'm going to do a gratitude list. Um, you know, do something for yourself, set that time aside, maybe go for a walk, get some sunshine, get some vitamin D on your skin, start doing things differently because when you do things differently, different results start to happen. And Dr. Wayne Dyer talks about it. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at start to change. And that's why I'm here every single week, whether it's here on the Ron and Scripted Show or also on the Unfiltered Experience on Friday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm constantly here, you know, sharing my gifts and my and my intelligence with you guys so that together we can raise each other up in this world, no matter where we come from, black, white, straight, gay, tall, fat, short, Republican, Democrat, any fucking label you want to put on it, that we are more the same than we are different. And we band together and we rise above all the naysayers and all the people who have been victims out there in their life. We peel back the onion on their life. We probably, usually we find out that they had a screwed up childhood as well. I was just watching the Jeffrey Dahmer story and you know, we know Jeffrey Dahmer, he cut up people and ate them and put them in. I mean, it's gross. It's horrible. You know, everybody wants him dead. But when you go back and look, I was, the first thing I asked was like, I wonder what his childhood was like. And so, of course, they go back and they start talking about his childhood and you see the different influences that his own biological father had on his life and, you know, dissecting bodies and, and some of the different things. And, of course, he wasn't mentally um, right and he didn't get the help that he needed. So, you know, that's the way it manifested itself. So together, if we're lifting each other up and making this world a better place and being passionate about that, you know, we can leave a legacy. We can leave a life for our kids and our kids' kids that they don't have to check. They don't have to change anything. They don't have to fix something. Um, so let's all band together and, and be the change that we bitch about. I appreciate you guys. Go check us out. Noexcusescoach.com. I appreciate you. We'll be back here next week, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'll get Forbes back on here and we'll fulfill that obligation. So I love you guys. Stay kick-ass and classy, and we'll see you next time on The Raw and